Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Catherine Ransom, the author of Ransom Notes, and also the subject of a documentary, the subject of a lengthy radio series, and uh, a, a monthly visual Ransom Notes, and of course, now the host of her own podcast slash radio show. Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here. Proud to be her co-pilot. Catherine Ransom, how are you? I'm fine this morning, Frank. The the breezes are blowing here in Illinois. You'd think it was uh, late November, but uh, that just shows that I'm not in charge of the weather God is. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And, and you know, all the, the people that are expert and they uh, they try to predict it. And every once in a while, the Lord throws them a uh, a curveball. God throws uh, the, the the whole batch of us a curveball, and and sometimes we learn. Uh, we may be getting a nor'easter here in New York on Long Island, and and that's like a hurricane or a lighter version of a hurricane. Sometimes it's heavy, sometimes it's not, and sometimes they predict it, and sometimes we don't get it. Well, we had we had uh, predictions yesterday. Uh, that uh, perhaps uh, actually the, the the buzzer went off here at the at Concordia that we should sort of be careful and be alert that there was a tornado sighted in the area with strong winds and rain and it did happen but we did not get the tornado but it was interesting the new YMCA that is here within our view of our apartment uh, just had an email that. They have to close down their swimming pool, uh, which got the water pipes or something got struck with lightning last night, and so they're having a difficulty time with difficult time yeah. with water. So storms can be sort of messy, and uh, but uh, we just have to remember that. Uh, and I'm reminded of Psalms 111. It says, "Great are the works of the Lord; they are pondered by all who delight in them." Glorious and majestic are his deeds. So I guess when we have tornadoes and winds and storms, they really just are part of God's plan and his work. And we have to learn how to uh, rely on him. Yeah. You know, I, I never question God. I mean, whatever happens, happens. And I, I assume it's there for a reason and it's there in motion. And I never, uh, you know, I never try to play God. I never try to, uh, you know, uh, question why something would happen or why bad things happen. I, I always assume that it's, uh, it, it's just part of the grand scheme and it's part of uh, why we have this beautiful world. Every once in a while we'll have bad weather. And you know what? Uh, the rest of the time we have great weather and everything else and and it teaches us things so i'm never uh, I, I i'm i'm never one to question god i i think that's probably a pretty good thing frank uh, probably none of us should question him he is sort of in charge and uh, he's um, and we just need to trust and you know that's not always easy to trust we get impatient and i get awfully impatient at times and i know that and if I were in charge of the world and I wrote a, a, a revision of that famous poem, mm -hmm. 
uh, if I were in charge of the world, I would certainly probably uh, think that it would be nicer to have sort of sunny, warm weather all the time. But then what would the skiers do? They'd get mad at me if everything was off. So I think he probably tries to give a balance, just like uh, maybe we'd like to try and have a balanced meal that includes delicious uh, steak, but it's balanced off with some broccoli or some other kind of thing so that it would be healthy. Uh, Had a a really interesting email from a friend of mine. He and his wife were traveling uh, in over near Mount Etna with some friends, and they, they were with a group, and he said that they had the thrill of their lifetime uh, two days ago. Uh, they, if people remember, Mount Etna has a volcano with it, And it's made from lava rivers. They were in a Land Rover and they were out, uh, you know, visiting and going to go sort of sight to see the volcano. And suddenly they heard some really loud sounds. They thought it was thunder at first. And then the ground started shaking. And following that, they suddenly realized that the air was full of black volcanic acid, ash, pardon me, falling on their heads. Uh, My friend wrote that his white hat was uh, turning black, and that wasn't exactly making him excited. But anyway, this black sandy stuff was eruption from Mount Etna, and the 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 guides had to decide should they move closer to the volcano so they could see a bit more or was it unsafe and they should turn the land rovers around and return they decided that if they didn't go too far it would be safe they obviously did not go up to the edge and they saw the actual eruption of a volcano i imagine you've seen a volcano sometime in your life have you not uh, yeah, I have, but only from a distance. And probably never when it was actually erupting. No, that that's for sure. And neither neither have I. We've been we've been near several, but uh, in Hawaii and other places, but never actually seeing it erupt. And and so I was sort of reminded that in Genesis one one it says God created the heavens and the earth. And he doesn't add in there that he created volcanoes, but they're sort of they sort of come along with what all he did. Right. And uh, so I then read, and I'd like to sort of share some of this with our audience. I read Psalms one twenty one, which is a very short psalm, but and I would encourage our audience to maybe whip out their Bible and turn to Psalms one twenty one and review it, but. The opening verse says, I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then he goes on to says, I won't let, he he did make the heaven and the earth. He made that volcano. He won't let you slip. And in real life, he also is right there to hang on to you because that's part of his plan. The twenty, the 121st Psalm also goes on to say that he never takes a nap. He doesn't sleep. 
And I know I have to sleep and rest, but the Lord is always there and he will keep us from harm and he watches over you forever. So as I listened and read about my friend's comments and the visit to Mount Etna, I couldn't help but enjoy and be thrilled as I reread Psalms 121. The Lord is in charge. I don't know why he has volcanoes. I don't know what the real purpose is because I'm not a scientist. But I do know he's in charge. And some of those things are incredible. Just like my friend said, it was the thrill of a lifetime to see that. Would you be afraid to go see a volcano in action? Uh, it depends how much how much room I had. And I, I would have done some... <laughs> Research, you know, like as long as I could run there, I don't want to be one of those guys in like Pompeii, uh, you know that. And I, I've been to Pompeii, and uh, and oh yeah, uh, yeah. And it was uh, you see Vesuvius in the in the distance, and it's a pretty good distance, you know. It's not like it's, you know, it's uh, you know you would think it would be running distance, but it it took them by uh, by surprise, and it was a massive thing. Yeah, I, as long as I have enough room to run. But I would. I would. I'd like the experience. Well, they said in the uh, I, I looked up a little bit online and they said that Mount uh, Etna has erupted in 2021 50 times already. Wow. So it's a pretty active volcano. Uh, that's, you know, that's what three or four a month that they're having. Well, even more than that, I guess, uh, maybe as many as five eruptions a month. So I suppose that's why the guides knew whether this was one that was safe enough for them to take their customers up to it or or not. Um, that's a responsibility when you think about it, that yeah. the, the guides have to decide how close do we dare get. See, I wouldn't do that. I, I'll tell you, that that's where I would draw the line because I imagine that could just <laughs> happen at any time. But I wouldn't go close to a uh, uh, to an active volcano. You know, I, I would try to avoid that. And uh, wow. How about you? How close have you been to a volcano? Well, we, we've been, we're, uh, in, in Hawaii, we got pretty close to one. Um, we were walking in, it, it wasn't active at the time, but we were walking in, in ash and you know leftovers that come out of the you can tell i'm not a scientist i don't have all those right words but uh, but we've been pretty close never looking inside one other than i think one time we were in a little plane and flew over and looked down in but that's that doesn't really count as being you know close unless it would just go clear off but yeah. it's interesting had a friend who also this this has been a fun week because someone else wrote me uh, you know we get up we get upset and discouraged sometimes with email and facebook and electronic media but my goodness it's a way to keep track of your friends if we could just get everyone to be nice and kind and truthful in in their communication why it it would be wonderful but another friend emailed me and she had just uh seen uh, one of my pictures that I had taken when we were in the National Park, Bryce, not long ago, about three or four weeks ago. And she was commenting about one of the shots in which there was a tree that 
whose roots were overlooking the big giant canyon with all of the hoodoos and other uh, formations. But there was this tree, which I took a picture of, and the roots were up like, like you had legs on a chair. They were out of the ground. I mean, there were roots, I'm sure they extended into the ground, but you could see uh, a whole portion of them, like just like a five-legged chair or something. And she was commenting on how great she thought it was and how much she liked it. And, and I got to thinking about trees. What is, what do you, when you think of trees, what do you think of? Well, I think of, I think of a couple of different things. First of all, childhood. I, I used to, uh, I used to go in trees. I used to climb trees and it never had a real live tree for it. We didn't have a great tree for that in our backyard, but uh, you know, I also, you know, I, I also remember the the redwoods, seeing the redwoods. What is that? Is that Yosemite? The redwood, well, redwood national forest, right? Uh, as a kid, I think maybe nine years old. Our my parents were still together, and they uh, they took us there, and uh, and some of those redwoods are just unbelievable. But uh, I, I don't. I, trees trees are about uh, you know about life, right? And it gives off so much important oxygen and uh, and everything else but uh you know i'm a fan of trees I, I i don't know that i would qualify as a tree hugger but maybe you know i, I i'll hug a tree I, I, I like all of that um yeah but i i have i have nothing but fond things to say about trees unless of course unless of course they fall on the house and then they become dangerous and so forth but um yeah a, a good question i i've got a, well, I, i've got a good memory on all my all my tree memories have been really good. <laughs> and, and the, you know, I think of the shade, and then we had a, a house that had lots of trees, and they were oak trees and a maple tree. And uh, this season of the year, you think about what they're going to have to do, and that's go out there and rake all those leaves and get rid of them somehow, because uh, the there are so many leaves, and of course that's what you love, because in the summer they provide the shade for you and for some of the animal life. But the the, uh, the the picture that she was referring to was really looking at the other end of the tree, and that was these roots. And they, they were incredible. So I got to thinking about why in the world are there roots? What's the purpose of them? And then I got to thinking there's a lot of correlation between a Christian and roots. But looking it up, just to remind my non-scientific head, mm -hmm. those roots that I saw sticking out like chair legs on this rocky hillside, this canyon, part of that, those roots, their purpose is to absorb water and nutrients into the tree. Now, way up there, there obviously were not a lot of nutrients so that tree that I had in the picture was pretty small. It was not what we might think of as a redwood or a giant pine tree in our forest. Those roots, and this was really evident with the tree on the hillside, are there to give them stability, to anchor that tree so it wouldn't slide down into the canyon so that a puff of wind wouldn't blow it over. Obviously, sometimes the wind is stronger than the roots, and it does blow them over, but it's to provide stability. Number three, the, 
tree, the roots also store up the, they not only absorb the, the water and the nutrients, they also store it, as I understand it. Now, I don't know whether somebody has visited the roots and tried to buy some sap uh, out of them as if they were at the Kroger grocery store. <laughs> I, I suppose scientists have a way of knowing that those roots have nutrients in them. And then another really great value of these roots is that they help prevent erosion. And that's one reason people plant trees where they do. And this tree on the edge of the hillside, the canyon side, certainly was preventing some erosion because the roots help hold some of the soil in place. But we also know that sometimes we have to replant those trees. And I think of California and the fires that some of the Western states have had, and you talked about the redwoods. Isn't it sad how many trees have been destroyed with those with the fire? And then what do they have to do? The rangers and the citizens have to go out, replant, and start new life. Mm. So you know where my head went. I took those points, and I think our audience just needs to think just a moment. Do I need to have roots as a person? Where should my roots be? And I hope I have mine solidly in the Lord, his his word, his uh, promises to us. I should be absorbing when I go to church, when I read, when I study, when I prepare these talks. I'm absorbing nutrients or food from the Bible when it says that it's the bread of life. That's what I'm doing to my life. That's why people need to go to church. That's why they need to read their Bible. That's why they need to have devotions. It's how you take in what God's trying to tell you. And then you, number two, need to store it up. And three, if I really have a good foundation, the winds of life are not going to blow me down. Now, I may physically get sick. The wind, the physical wind might blow me down if I'm in a tornado. But if I'm really solidly in Christ, I'm not going to get terribly discouraged. I have days of discouragement. I will not wander away from him and slide down the canyon wall because my roots are solid. And then those roots help me to keep from washing away or flying away. And then thirdly, we said that the roots, when we killed off the trees or had a fire, people have to go and replant. Mm. And that's my other job and your job and our listeners' job. If we don't reach out to and plant new trees, new souls, new followers, there'll be no followers. The forest will have burned down. The Christians will be gone. So we are sort of like trees yeah. it's, isn't that sort of interesting it's very interesting have you, ever thought, have you ever thought about yourself as being a tree well i, I was just going to say that I, I i always say i always give the example the analogy that you could take an acorn and turn it into an oak tree within minutes and you literally you've done similar <laughs> to that but 
I, I have. You know, I, I've used tree analogies before. One of the one of the tree analogies that I like, and it's I, I, it's it's not that different than than what you're talking about, but it's it, it's it's about the weathered trees, and they say that the wood is always more more it's harder and uh, more durable on the outside of the forest. They're the ones that are getting hit with the uh, you know with the rain and the lightning and everything like that. And it's those trees that get the brunt of the the weathering, snow and everything else, and it's protecting the other trees. One would think that the, the trees that are protected are stronger. It's the opposite. It's the, the ones that the, the Lord hit so hard and, uh, and, and banged away out, banged away out, banged away out, and they're protecting... The, the hardest wood, the best wood, they say, comes from those trees that are on the outside that are that are providing the the coverage. So you know, in a sense, people are are like that. Like who is who are your toughest people? Uh, your toughest people sometimes are are people that have have been through exper- you know tough experiences in uh, in their lives, uh, challenging um, experiences, and you know those. Uh, you know, maybe one would say, one would assume that that those people are worn down, those people are beat up, but often those are the strongest people, and I, I imagine that goes for Christianity as well. And you know, you're talking about the roots. I'm talking about the actual whole tree that uh, that gets uh, gets beat up by the weather on the outside. And you know, and by the way, the the inner inner trees uh, they they happen to take less of a beating but they still get wet and they still get what it is but they're significantly weaker from what i understand and i'm not a botanist or a you know whatever uh, you know a tree expert is right um but yeah you know, I, I think that's uh, you know it's very similar um your roots analogy is just yeah it's beautiful yeah it's absolutely beautiful and uh look uh, the lord gave us trees for many many reasons you know oxygen you know maybe being the one but to to look at a tree and to to compare it to how we should be uh that's I, I think it's another good use for for our our friends with the leaves and the bark on the outside i don't think there's any doubt about that and th- that's one reason you need the, the roots because christians are going to get beaten up we know today that in many countries, uh, once again, it's becoming difficult to uh, celebrate uh, not just Christianity, but often any religions. Uh, I read somewhere in one country, they're now trying to get all the the domes off of mosques so that they look more Chinese. Uh, it's, It's amazing how the world does want to sort of beat and badger uh Christians, they sometimes want to limit what we can uh, teach or learn about the Bible or, or, or the followings of Christ or uh, Old Testament. And uh, the solid foundation, and there are several scriptures that do talk about we need a solid foundation that's not built on rocks, but that it's built on solid ground. And if we're using our tree analogy, that means it's got a good root base. But when we think of sometimes some of the most loyal and faithful Christians are those that have had family 
problems, they've had health issues, they may have had a child die or be killed, and we certainly hear about that in today's life, uh, that perhaps uh, the family fell apart, the job didn't work. Umpteen things can happen to families or individuals. And if they're going to be able to carry on, you have to have something in addition to just your own stamina. It helps to have a friend. And that friend that we as Christians have uh, is that we have God that's there to help us and to hang on to our hands and to give us encouragement. He doesn't promise that we are not going to have tornadoes and winds and storms in our life any more than he promised the trees, that there's not going to be promises. But he gave them roots so that most of the time they can withstand the weather. And that's what we have to do is help to be able to encourage. And just like you use the wonderful analogy that it's the, the tree that's been beaten up a bit that really protects the weaker, how true as it is as we help people that way. So it's been sort of fun to play around with the ideas of trees in the past two or three days as I was thinking about what to share today. But I sort of like to close with one last thing. Um, I had sort of a, a frightening email from my youngest niece and, and a couple of days ago. They were in Lowe's uh, doing some shopping, and suddenly they realized that their little three-year-old had disappeared. Oh, my God. And uh, they started hunting, and uh, they realized they weren't finding her quickly. They enlisted the help of the staff in the store. They all started looking. They blocked the, 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 the exit doors so that if she was being picked up by someone, they couldn't get out the door without, you know, being stopped. Even some of the shoppers started helping. And then finally... Uh, one of one of the people that was looking heard a cry, and back in the lumber, a stack of lumber, there was the three-year-old sitting and crying, but she was found, which was wonderful. But uh, sometimes it takes a whole community to help find somebody and take care of them. And it's so great that people today, despite what we say, most of them really care about other people. They really do want to help. They really do want to reach out. And I read one verse from Deuteronomy, the sixth verse, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that was said to Joshua, and the children of Israel, just as they were about ready to go into the promised land where there would be many enemies. And that day in Lowe's store, God was with them. He didn't leave them. He didn't forsake them. And uh, the daughter was found. So that's the happy note for today here as we begin to uh, almost reach pumpkin time. Do you celebrate Halloween extensively in new york or is that a midwestern holiday oh no it's it's a big deal and you know we uh 
uh, you know, we, we as, a ch- as a child, we went trick-or-treating. It was a big thing. You looked forward to it all year. And then our children, I, you know, I, uh, I went around trick-or-treating with them until they got old enough where we embarrassed them by going around with them. And then we would pretend that we'd let them go alone and we'd watch them from down the block uh, or, or I'd follow behind slowly and uh and and you know make them think they were on their own but yeah so uh, halloween is a big big deal in new york um and you know we you know look um what what we've been doing recently is putting out big bowls of of candy and we'd get you know some nice candy for for people and we put it out by the street this way uh, they're they don't they're not afraid to to go up uh you know uh, to to a stranger's door or whatever and we'll say please take two and and leave the rest you know take please take two or something like that and sometimes you get a wise acre or whatever and they'll take the whole thing <laughs> but we always have enough candy where where we do that and and for the most part uh, people are are very good about it and or we'll say take three depending on what it is and and we try to put out uh, good candy and um yeah i mean i think people forget that it's uh, you know the next day is all saints day which was my grandmother's birthday and we always uh, oh so it's really it's really a we're celebrating in, in readiness for your grandmother that's what we're really doing yeah that was it <laughs> <laughs> we saw i saw on uh, either the newspaper or on tv somewhere uh, the family that was preparing for trick or treat, and they had made a sort of like a uh, not a slingshot, but it was like a slingshot, but sort of a compromise between a slingshot and a gun. And so the, the children would put the candy in in something in that instrument that they were shooting, and then when a, a trick or treater came along, they would shoot it out to them on the sidewalk. <laughs> that way, they didn't have to get close together, wow. but yet they would. And the, the 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 children that lived at the home were having fun because they were getting to use this sort of homemade uh, slingshot. And the I am sure that the trick or treaters are thinking, "Wow, this is really a neat way." And they have to try and catch it in the air or whatever it might be. But it was a modern day twist on how do we keep our kids safe and healthy, uh, even when there's some dangers of health around and yet we want kids to grow up with happy happy memories of lots of things we 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 never we did we did very very little trick-or-treating when i was growing up but that was a long time ago and we would just do a little bit in the four or five houses nearest but i can remember when we lived in one part of springfield here it was a constant stream families would drive the car up to the subdivision dump out a load of kids and then they would uh, sort of come and visit all of those houses and it's so it was not just neighborhood children but we all survived through it and it's it's a fun holiday it is it is fun <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you got to trick-or-treat a little as as a kid you got the experience of it that's right it, and it's fun and people are so willing to share maybe that's what's good about this conversation and and your program and our program is that we're not sharing candy with our audience, but we're sharing uh, uh, activities and things that can make their life richer, some thoughts that might help them be cheery, help them 
to make their root base stronger and uh, be able to stand withstand the tornadoes and winds of, of life, wherever it might be. So I think you need to be congratulated that you are making this kind of a, uh, a program available because some people do not go to church. They are perhaps like the headlines that I read also that it's just about over, that the people are not marrying. They're not getting married. There's a much lower rate uh, that they begin to think that it isn't a necessary thing. That in 19, I mean, in 2015, 12% of, the, of a group that were surveyed said that m- marriage was old-fashioned. Wow. Today, to, that was 12% in 2015. In 2021, which would have been just seven years later, 19% said that marriage, and some think that it is even higher than that, that marriage is not really necessary, that we can have families, we don't have to have a stable foundation. Uh, It's sort of sad. If If you want a family and you want to have children, they need to have, I think, the relationship of, of, of two people who share and love and care for. It seems to me that the scriptures are pretty clear that that's how the Lord meant it. So we're back to my tree analogy, yeah. which is sort of funny, yeah. that we need a sound foundation. And at this rate, who knows, marriage may be history and nobody gets married. And that would be really sad. Wow. Yeah, I think I, I think the scripture is pretty pretty clear on uh, on what the the uh, suggestion I don't know, the uh, the the groundwork or the blueprint was for what uh, what the scripture thought humanity should be uh, should be uh, heading towards when it came to mating and and so forth and and procreating wait, wait. and so forth. We've, we've talked about this before, that relationships are so important as people try to um, exist and to be happy and to be productive and to be um, comfortable. And part of the COVID-19, you and I have chatted about it, that one of the things that's been destroyed and or weakened or made more difficult is this ability to to develop community, to have close relationships. That's even a more reason for wishing that families were strong and whole, because if I'm isolated from everybody else, I gotta go back to the Lord and to my own family. Um, So it's, this has been trying times and we're glad that maybe we're beginning to come out of it just a bit. It sounds like, uh, some younger children may now be able to get some coverage with vaccination before very long. I think they think the five to 11 year old group may have an opportunity to have that. So that's an encouraging thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll close on encouraging words of, we hope that uh, we can soon just think of this as history of the COVID and that we're all back to being kind to each other, healthy, and having a good time. 
and there's light at the end of the tunnel, which uh, which is a good which is a a, a good positive note to end on, and uh, that's the Lord shining the light out there, and uh, and you know I honestly believe that. Catherine, thank you very much, and to everyone out there. You've been listening to Catherine Ransom and Ransom Notes, and uh, she's the author of the wonderful book. She is the subject of the wonderful documentary and uh, a monthly, uh, monthly visual version of what we do here. We encourage everyone to binge listen to all of the Ransom Notes. You don't have to go in order. You really don't have to go in order. You can kind of pick around and cherry pick, but... Uh, also, the the weekly, uh, the weekly edition of of her email is always great, and uh, always tune in if you can to us here, what you're listening to with Ransom Notes, and we'll see you all next time on Ransom Notes. This is Frank McKay. <laughs>